Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to start this week by posing a question. You know, do people really fear public speaking more than death? Now, that's a quote or a phrase or an aphorism that we've we've heard many times. But does it really mean that, say, at a funeral, you know, that more people would prefer to be in the coffin than delivering the eulogy? I sort of don't think so. You know, this week in the second of the two podcasts I'm doing on presentation skills, I'm focusing on tips for managing nerves and portraying confidence as a presenter. And I'll also take you through some of the main causes of nervousness in this area. You know, and as I say, this week is a follow up to last week's episode where I drew on my experience as a professional speaker because, you know, I'm paid to speak at events and also having worked with hundreds of people, I suppose, over the last 20 years, one to one or in group workshops, helping them to enhance their presentation skills. So if you're someone who does deliver presentations or might be delivering presentations, you know, this is a useful episode for you. But I'd also draw some parallels here because I also work, as you know, in helping people prepare for interview. It's one of the big aspects of my one-to-one coaching work. And there are plenty of parallels between presentations and interviews. You know, the sense of the unknown, being outside of comfort zone. So the tips I'm sharing this week can also equally be applied in the context of interviews. And I've also found as well that over the years, particularly in in workshops, you know, where I've worked with people on this topic, you know, oftentimes I get the feedback that, you know, the sense of empowerment or confidence or calmness, you know, that people can get uh, or access when they're delivering a presentation at the top of the room um, is really only a byproduct. The main benefit people often say is just being a little bit more comfortable in their own skin. And it's like, well, you know, they're able to do presentations now in the same way as they're just able to show up for a team meeting. Or as I, as I remember one client in particular saying, it's like, I can do my presentations now just like I'm doing my shopping in Tesco or wherever. It's like, I just get on with it. You know, it's not a big deal anymore. And oftentimes that's what we're looking at here. It's taking away that that emotional charge. So I just feel a little bit more easier in my own skin, as it were. So before I delve into some strategies and tips this week, um, always remember, though, whether it's an interview or a presentation, that if you're feeling nervous, it's because you care about what it is you're doing. You know, if you didn't care, that emotional charge wouldn't be there, but you'd also probably be complacent and you wouldn't be doing a, a good job. You know, and equally a little bit of nervousness, you know, pumps some adrenaline into our bodies and that keeps us alert and responsive. And we want that as well. So as I say, I've worked with many people in this area over the years and I also, you know, I have to deal with it myself as well. You know, I still get a little bit nervous and anxious when I'm doing presentations or big talks or in front of a new audience. So I have to apply some of these strategies myself. Um, And over the years, what I found is that there tends to be a few common causes of nervousness or anxiousness as a presenter. And I'm going to share these with you. Because if we're aware of the the cause, well, and deal with the cause, well, then maybe the symptoms don't arise in the same way. You know, the first one is what I call a surface level cause, um, and it's a logical concern. And that's being concerned about the, the questions you could be asked as a presenter. 
So you can prepare every aspect of your presentation, but the one area you can't control is the questions you might be asked. And this is a source of nervousness, maybe even panic for some presenters. You know, so whether your presentation is in person or online as they are nowadays, impactful presentations are engaging and well-structured. But by being engaging, well, that means interaction with attendees or with the audience. And that brings us into the territory of questions. And that's something I'll be sharing later in the episode, a few practical tips for handling questions as a presenter. Because as I say, it's a source of nervousness. We need to have some strategies for dealing with them. Let me dig a little deeper here, though, into two other causes of nerves or anxiousness as a presenter. And these also raise their head in the context of interviews or even more broadly in life. And they're ones that I would have referenced before in previous episodes, uh, but they raise their heads again now. You know, I always think if we have how would I say it, a sense of uh, lack of confidence or a lack of worthiness. If we're in the context of delivering a presentation or an interview, we feel as if the spotlight is on us and any of those internal sensations just feel magnified. So this first deeper fear is around not being good enough. And, you know, that brings us into the territory of imposter syndrome or what if I get found out? And unfortunately for some people, that concern or that belief can be quite pervasive. You know, it's in all aspects of life. When I work with people with the um, under the umbrella of presentation skills and dealing with nerves as, as a presenter, we're obviously dealing with one particular situation. But that situation can also raise its head or be relevant, say, in the context of, of interviews as well. So not feeling good enough. I often say in that territory, well, well, good enough for what? You know, usually as a presenter, others obviously think you're good enough if you've been invited to share knowledge or to, you know, to give an update on a, on a project. The second uh, deeper fear, so fear number three, the first one is fear of questions. The second one is that not sense of imposter syndrome or not being good enough. And then the final one is the fear of negative judgment. You know, we run the pattern that, gosh, the people tuning in or the audience, well, they'll be judging me negatively. And if we look at that head on, though, it's like it's probably... It's probably not that, you know, I often think audiences are more interested in what's in this for me, you know, what will this be about, you know, what else is happening, you know, they're thinking, you know, when is this going to finish so I can go home for my dinner or whatever. People are probably not giving us that much consideration. And uh, also in this area, I often feel that people are not paying that much attention to how you're feeling. But of course, we're assessing our performance or our, our experience as presenters through the lens of what it is that we're feeling. As I say, the audiences, they're more interested in what's in it for them. So there are three common causes of nerves in the context of uh, presentations or even interviews. And if we can label them and name them, perhaps they lose some of their power over us. Now, there are many tips and tools and strategies available to us as presenters. When I deliver workshops in this area, I share a whole suite of options with the audience. If I'm working one-to-one -one with someone, we tend to tailor it down to three or four specific techniques for their unique situation. But I'm going to share with you today five options for you to consider, five strategies if we're looking to be serious about managing nervousness or anxiousness as presenters. And as I say, these apply also if we're uh, going for an interview and maybe even more broadly in life. 
the first tip is around visualization, or in particular, I phrase it empowered visualization. So visualization is the images and the movies that we run in our heads. We visualize all the time, but we often label it something else. A lot of the time we label it worrying. You know, our instinctive sense of self-protection prompts us to imagine everything that could go wrong. This type of contingency thinking can be useful. You know, we imagine the worst case scenarios, which helps us prepare for all eventualities. But dwelling on them and allowing our mind to race doesn't serve us. You know, unchecked, we can paralyze ourselves with fear. Negative thinking snowballs. That's where we get the phrase mountains out of molehills. Visualization as a specific preparation technique is most frequently associated with elite athletes and performers, you know, visualizing a golf swing or a drop goal or taking a penalty. But we can apply the same principles to assist us with mental preparation for a presentation or interview. Purposeful visualization is about rehearsing in your mind how you wish to perform a task. You know, you can close your eyes and imagine as best you can every aspect of your presentation. You'll know a lot of the details in advance. There's plenty you can work with. You know, you will know the content of your presentation, hopefully. If you don't, that's another cause of nervousness. Um, you might know the location or who'll be present. You can visualize yourself at the top of the room or logging onto Zoom, as it were. You know, you maybe can predict some of the questions that you might be asked. You can even visualize yourself taking a few deep breaths and calming yourself down. You know, when you visualize your presentation in your mind, you're creating a roadmap for success. Positive, purposeful visual visualization allows you to harness all aspects of your preparation. It also enhances your feelings of control. And the more in control you feel, the less nervous you will be. Tip number two is about slowing your breathing down. You know, when we are anxious and nervous or stressed, we breathe high and fast in our chests. We're thinking nervous or stressful thoughts and the body is responding to that. You know, we're doing fight, flight or freeze. When we do the opposite of what our body instinctively wants to do, you know, that is breathe slower and lower, we're sending a mixed message to the brain. You know, we recognize that we're breathing more calmly, so maybe our minds will relax as well. In this context, breathing has the paradoxical benefits of both energizing us. You know, think about when you're changing breathing patterns, if you're out for a brisk walk or a run or a swim um, and the, um, it oxygenates the blood. You know, it also increases our alertness, but somehow we feel calmer on the inside. I would have shared before one of my favorite breathing techniques, and there's so many of them, is the two-staged in-breath. You know, so I'm taking a, an inhale twice, like in through the nose and then in again, and then exhaling through my mouth, maybe just a little bit longer than the combined in-breath. And what I find is because I'm doing that natural or because I'm doing that purposely, I should say, I feel a little bit more in control. You know, I have a choice over how I'm choosing to breathe in that moment before I log in or before I step up on a stage. And it, it connects me with my body. It brings me out of my busy mind and I just feel a little bit more in control. And that change in breathing pattern as well also fuels the voice. So if we're presenting, we want to, you know, oxygenate ourselves, fill the lungs up so there's a bit more power behind behind our voice, which of course would be the opposite of, you know, a high-pitched nervous twitter. So tip number two is slow your breathing down. 
Tip number three is a simple technique for refocusing the mind. I often say the mind needs something to do. If you don't give it something purposeful to do, it'll be thinking about the worst case scenarios. But that's where we'll start with it because that's where the tendency is. So three simple questions. The first one is, well, what's the worst that can happen? You know, this question gets us to view head on the specific issues that are concerning us. You know, what's that worst that can happen during your presentation? Are you going to be fired? You know, will they throw something at you? You know, go blank. Will you waffle? Will you blush? You know, when we look at these issues that are worrying us straight in the eye, they begin to lose their power over us. You know, and maybe with some of them, I can figure out a strategy for dealing with them should they occur. You know, if we're in the habit of focusing on the negative, which so many of us are, um, for a few minutes, why not focus on the opposite? How about asking yourself the question, well, what's the best that can happen? Just for variation, if nothing else. This question gets us to think about our definition of a successful presentation. Maybe some people might just hope to get through it, you know, but you're going to get through it. You know, how can you set yourself maybe a slightly higher benchmark? And the final question in this little um, triad of questions is, well, what's likely to happen? You know, because we're the experts in knowing ourselves, our, our answer to this question will usually be fairly accurate. You know, it might not be exactly the, the ideal presentation that we're hoping for, but it probably won't be the worst case scenario either. It'll be somewhere in the middle. And, and that's progress in itself. So what's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? And what's likely to happen? Tip number four is by putting on the uniform of confidence, as I would phrase it. You know, picture for a moment someone standing at the top of a room and they're nervous, you know, they're uncomfortable. Um, what would their body language be like? You know, they might be looking at the floor, maybe their arms are folded, their shoulders are hunched, you know, perhaps their legs are crossed or they're shifting from foot to foot or pacing about the place. You know, in this instance, the body language of the person at the top of the room is simply displaying the natural technique we all have to the natural instinct, I should say, that we all have to protect ourselves. You know, folded arms is protecting the ribcage area, you know, where our hearts and lungs are in case we're physically attacked. Our heart beats faster. We breathe faster. Uh, we're nervous because, you know, fight or flight is kicking in. And although we're not physically under threat during a presentation, or you would hope anyway, uh, we can still feel that sense that our sense of identity is under threat. Uh, threat. Or to put it another way, we feel that we simply can't be ourselves at the top of the room. So our body is responding accordingly. And we don't feel we can be ourselves because if we were, we wouldn't be good enough. And that's back to one of those underlining causes of nervousness. You know, now picture someone who is maybe standing at the top of the room or seated around a table and they appear to be confident. How would you know by just looking at them? You know, they're probably sitting or standing tall, shoulders back, spine is straight, you know, the arms are relaxed by their sides or in their laps. You know, they look outwards rather than down. They'll be making eye contact with people. Uh, that's the body language that I refer to as the uniform of confidence. You know, it's the body language you display when you're naturally feeling confident and brimming with self-belief. Uh, but here's the trick. You know, if you know that, that what that body language is, you know, sitting or standing tall, shoulders back, good eye contact, well, why not put it on purposefully? You know, it communicates assurance and poise. Um, and the time to practice putting on the uniform of confidence is not just at a presentation. You can do it anytime, at a meeting, sitting at your desk, even out for a walk. 
you know, initially it might feel that you're faking it until you make it, or as I prefer to say, fake it until you feel it. Um, but you're practicing and that practice will form a new habit of body language. And of course, all the audience will see is someone who looks comfortable. And maybe after a while, you'll begin to feel that yourself. The last of the, the five tips I'm sharing with you today on dealing with nervousness as a presenter or as, a, as an interviewee is to ask yourself more empowering questions or ask yourself a better question, as I sometimes say it. You know, if we want to feel more confident, we have to think more confident thoughts. You know, that's logical. Um, thoughts are simply a series of questions and answers in our heads. You know, so if you're feeling nervous, you're thinking thoughts that are fueling those feelings. You know, for example, what if they ask me a horrible question or what if I go blank? What if I forget everything that I've prepared? What if I run over time? You know, these are all understandable questions. They're also a symptom of our self-defense mechanism. But embarking on a presentation, they're not the most useful questions to focus on. So what would be more helpful? What I tend to find is questions that start with the three words, how can I bring us into solution mode? You know, when this question construct is combined with a positive focus, you know, that is something we want to do or achieve, then it becomes a powerful internal strategy for managing our mental state going into a presentation. But of course, it can be used elsewhere too. You know, so imagine the difference if you focused on these questions, you know, questions such as, well, how can I relate well to the audience? How can I remain confident yet relaxed? How can I remember to breathe? You know, how can I demonstrate motiva motivation and enthusiasm? How can I wow them? That's actually when I use myself. How can I wow them? Um, how can I enjoy this experience? That one might be a bit of a stretch, but it wouldn't it be a great one to stretch towards. You know, or at minimum, how can I learn from this? You know, all of those questions will give us a different focus. And when our focus shifts, so too will our states. So there's our five tips for managing nerves as a presenter. I'm going to go back now and look at that first underlining cause of nervousness, which is that sense of the unknown and dealing with questions that we could be asked. But I want to bring something new to your attention. And it's a workshop, uh, an online masterclass, I should say, that I did with the uh, online course provider, International Open Academy, that you might be interested in. You know, so their website is www.internationalopenacademyaltogether.com and they have a range of online workshops, online video-based workshops on, I think, well over 100 different topics from learning magic tricks to uh, dog training. Somewhere in the middle there, I have a two-hour masterclass on uh, building self-confidence. It was recorded a little while ago and it's now available online um, on their website, internationalopenacademy.com. And it's currently discounted down to €28.50 for the uh, two hours of uh, strategies and confidence. Um, I was delighted to partner with them. And if you use the code SWEETMAN, so my surname, SWEETMAN, uh, that's how you get access to that discounted price. So that might be something for you to, to check out if this is a topic that you're, that you're looking to delve into further. But as I said earlier, in addition to those old habits of thinking, you know, fearing the negative judgment of others and the old refrain of what if I'm not good enough, the other main cause of nervousness is the unknown aspects of presentations. You know, you can prepare what you want to speak about, you can put your slides together, but you don't know what you could be asked. 
So in wrapping up this week, I'm going to share eight tips for handling that aspect of your presentation. You know, the one that normally comes at the end when you ask for, is there any questions? So the first tip about dealing with questions is to predict and prepare. You know, as with every other aspect of your presentation, handling questions starts with good prep. You know, contemplating what questions you'd hate to be asked is a good place to start because it will shed light on areas where you don't feel as comfortable. You know, put yourself in the audience's shoes. You know, where are they coming from? What might they want to ask you? And if you can predict them, you can then pre-plan how you would respond to them. The second tip is around having a clear intention. And I alluded to this one earlier. You know, many people's intention for presentations is something like, well, how can I get over this? How can I get over this as quickly as possible? Or I hope to God they don't ask me any questions. Or how can I get out of here in one piece? You know, with intentions like these, you'll speed through your delivery hardly, pausing for breath, let alone a question. You know, a presentation is a means to an end. And that end, whether it's educating the audience or seeking buy into an idea, usually requires interaction. And that means questions. So set your intent, uh, intention positively and consciously. You know, ask yourself, how can I engage with the audience? How can I stimulate discussion? The third tip for handling questions is simply to have a clear question strategy. You know, clarify for the audience how you're going to handle questions. Will you take them as you go? Will you wait until the end? You know, and a number of factors will determine the best approach. You know, the platform you're on, the context, the nature of the topic, your experience as a presenter. With in-person presentations, you know, you can see the audience's body language and notice a confused facial expression. But when delivering online, I find you need to check in with the audience a little more frequently, inviting them to share a comment or to pose a question. Uh, tip number four is to listen and acknowledge. You know, for many people, asking a question requires courage on their part, you know, to raise their hand, whether that's a physical hand or a, a technological hand that's being raised. So it's nice to acknowledge their effort. You know, demonstrate your listening by um, holding eye contact if it's in person um, or by looking straight at the camera on your um, uh, laptop if it's an online one. Uh, sometimes it can be useful to repeat or to paraphrase the question, especially the longer ones, as this demonstrates that you're listening. And it also helps to clarify your own thoughts before you respond. Tip number five is one that I call Ask the Audience, a bit like um, what's that quiz program, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You know, if there are other experts in the audience or if the questions that asked that's asked is an opinion-based one, you can deflect the question. You know, this approach can stimulate a discussion and sometimes it never comes back to you to actually ask it. But this strategy can only be used sparingly and only when the, the question is an opinion based one as opposed to an, a fact based one. So a few more tips on dealing with the question aspect of presentations. Um, tip number six is to empathize with dissenters. You know, occasionally you may encounter someone who disagrees with what you're saying when you're presenting. You know, in classic conflict management mode, acknowledge their point of view, perhaps empathize with their position, you know, but own your own opinion. You know, if necessary, take the issue offline because you don't want the audience to feel uncomfortable or you don't want it to go off on a tangent. In a similar vein, tip number seven is raise the hot issue yourself. You know, so if it's likely that someone will raise a contentious issue or, you know, have a, an argument or a point that they want to express, can you deal with that up front? You know, remove their ammunition by raising the topic yourself. 
you're retaining control and dealing with the issue in an open and objective way. And you're also showing respect for the audience by acknowledging their position or where they're coming from. So two final tips for dealing with questions as a presenter. You know, number eight is to acknowledge that you're not going to know everything yourself. You know, there's the possibility that you will get a question that you cannot answer. You know, it happens. It's happened to me. You know, and if the question is genuine, what I find the person who's asking it is really seeking an accurate answer as opposed to an immediate answer. So if it's absolutely, you know, it, it is absolutely acceptable to say that you'll find out and revert to them, you know, and if possible, be seen to note the question, you know, what it is that they're asking, because that gives them more certainty that you'll get back to them. Uh, the final tip, tip number nine, is, is, is an odd one. And maybe it's just a pet one of mine. I don't know. But I say, try not to close your presentation with just the two words, any questions. You know, the way you see that on the last slide. You know, if you can seek interaction during your presentation, especially when you're delivering it online, don't leave it to a final PowerPoint slide containing a question mark. Rather than saying any questions, expand it into, I, I'd welcome any questions or comments you might have. You know, this is more engaging and it demonstrates confidence. You know, and when possible, after an opportunity for questions, conclude the presentation on your own terms, either with a quick summary, a relevant quote, or a quick recap on next steps. So there we have it. I recognize I've covered quite an amount in this week's episode from those broader tips on managing nervousness as a presenter, some of the underlying causes of nervousness, and also those quick tips on dealing with questions or having a strategy for questions, that unknown aspect of uh, uh, presentation preparation. You know, but in my experience, and I've been doing this now for, what, 20 years, um, both delivering talks myself and also teaching presentation skills, you know, most people see preparation for a presentation as pulling slides together, you know, overlooking clarity of outcome or how they manage to engage with an audience. And many presenters fear being asked difficult questions or having to deal with an angry audience member or conflicting agendas. But I found that this rarely happens. You know, in the vast majority of presentations, the audience wants to hear you. They want to learn from you and they will behave in a professional way. And doing this level of prep means we're showing up in a professional way. So I hope you found this week's episode of benefit. Let me reference just one more time that um, masterclass that I'm proud of that I did with the International Open Academy. I say if you go onto their website and you use the code uh, Sweetman, my surname, uh, you'll get, I think it's about 75% off the, the recommended retail price and it brings it down to twenty-eight fifty. So thank you again for tuning in. If you know of anyone else who might find they, you know, they suffer from uh, nervousness, maybe as an interviewer or as a, um, uh, or going to interviews or as a presenter, you know, this might be something that you want to bring to their attention. Um, and I'm also always thankful for uh, the comments I receive for the star ratings and uh, when people share my episodes on their own social media platforms. So thanks again for tuning in and until next week.